Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The One Fab Day Wedding Podcast. Welcome back to the One Fab Day Wedding Podcast. After an unforeseen panic-induced delay, we've managed to get the band back together for a final episode. For now at least, as Selena and I head off on maternity leave over the next few months. But we're going out with the same ethos we started this podcast with, which is to make planning your wedding as straightforward, stress-free and enjoyable as possible. Yes, now we know a lot of you have had plans tossed in the air over the last few weeks. Some of you have already rescheduled your weddings and others are left quite in limbo, which makes today's topic more timely than ever. So we're turning the mics over to you guys for a wedding Q&A special. You've been sending questions in by the dozen on Instagram and by email. And today we're going to try to answer them. Yeah, so obviously we sound a little bit different because we're doing this remotely. But um, hopefully it'll be as good an episode as ever. Uh, Selena, the last time we did a Q&A episode, you described it as a podcast version of sex education in school. <laughs> well, I always try to bring up sex education at <laughs> any point where it seems appropriate and even where it doesn't. Um, so, yeah, I like to think of us as having a virtual box full of questions that we are yeah. pulling um, at random, which is kind of what we are doing, really. Um, yeah. But I'm sad not to be able to see your face, Claire. This does, it does feel very, it's, we're, I mean, we're living our best COVID-19 fantasies, I guess. Yeah, that's it. Our best apocalyptic podcast lifestyle. <laughs> All we but, can do. Yeah, it's very much an Ask Us Anything episode, but obviously we got a lot of questions related to COVID-19. So we will tackle those ones in a little bit. Yeah, I think it's a good way to um, see out this enormous season of the podcast is to just try and answer as many questions as possible, as thoroughly as we can. So that's what we're going to do. One Fab Day Expert Wedding Tips. As you may know by now, we're eager to share tips, advice and nuggets of wedding wisdom in an effort to streamline your planning. Selena, you've got this week's tried and tested tip. Yes, I do. So... This tip is all about making a schedule for your wedding, not necessarily the kind of schedule that your guests see, like the timeline of like drinks at two and dancing at five or whatever. I mean, that's a terrible schedule, but you know what I mean? (laughs) Um, This is more for your personal use, you and your partners and maybe the wedding party. So it's a detailed schedule of how the day goes down from, you know, wake up call right through to late night food. And my tip is to make it and share it with a few key suppliers so they can help identify any um, areas where you might have overshot or undershot. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I think this would be really handy for your hair and makeup people in particular um, because they have it like they have a wedding morning down to a fine art. So they're really good at being able to say, no, you need twice as long for your makeup or, you know, we need extra time for the bridesmaids or things like that. Um, so yeah, it's definitely worth doing that. I had one of these and I even included like when I was going to have a shower (laughs) and 
I had to like pop to the venue on the morning of just to kind of give it a last glance over and I had all of that in and it meant that our families weren't looking for us either when we were doing other things everyone kind of knew where we were at yeah and I think I often hear there's things that couples will say after the fact oh god I really underestimated like travel time between venues getting ready time the amount of time the speeches would take the length of the portrait session etc so if uh, you have an experienced supplier that you trust that can look over this at least then you'll feel confident once they give it the go-ahead the one fab day wedding podcast over the last few weeks, we've been putting call-outs for your questions on Instagram stories and via the podcast. And as usual, you guys have delivered. We've had dozens of questions on everything from invitation etiquette to bridesmaids dresses. And of course, we've had lots of questions on planning or postponing your wedding around COVID-19. We'll do our best to get through as many of them as we can. But if we have missed your question, keep your eyes peeled on our FAQ page on the website or on social media as we'll be sharing the answers to some of the most frequently asked questions over there too. So let's crack on, shall we? And um, We thought it might be best to get all the coronavirus questions out early because I know a lot of you will be listening specifically for those. Um, so we've had quite a few. So I think the question that we've gotten the most, Selena, I think you'd agree, is I'm getting married this summer. What should I do? Yeah, um, I think it's before we go into the coronavirus questions, it's important to say that mine and Claire and the whole One Fab Day team's stance on this is that we don't want to give any premature advice. Yeah. So if you feel at all unfulfilled or unsatisfied with the advice we're giving, it's because we really don't want to push people into decisions that we think we can't stand over or things that we're not confident saying or that we wouldn't say to a pal. Yeah. Um, and obviously we have so little information on how the next couple of months are going to go. So yeah, we are a lot of it is we know back. as much as we know as much as people do who are listening um, when it comes to how this is all going to play out. Um, so obviously we have insights on wedding specific things. But when it comes to making decisions, you really have to think about what what's a priority for you and what you need for yourself and for your family and your budget and everything else that comes into play with it. Yeah, I have seen a few people um, in all areas, not just weddings, giving advice that I felt like, ooh, I don't know, because if you follow that person's advice, then what happens if XYZ happens in October mm -hmm. or whatever? Yeah. Um, so we, we really don't want to do that. But at the same time, I feel like our usual advice um, does kind of hold true here for a lot of things. So yeah. if you're getting married in June, July, August, I would say the advice right now still as of April 2020 is to um, communicate with your venue. Most importantly, um, keep the channels of communication open. A lot of them will be advising at this point that postponement is inevitable. Um, but keeping the channels of communication open with your suppliers, I think, is the number one piece of advice because they really are the experts and they're the ones who are delivering a service and they know whether or not they can deliver that service. Yeah, and I think it's worth just like having a, maybe not daily, that might be excessive, like weekly check in with your other half, see where they're at um, and have a little chat about it. Because I know just from reading a lot of forums of brides and seeing a lot of the feedback we've been getting from brides and grooms is that 
a lot of people have said, look, our wedding might have still gone ahead in August, but I was stressed about it. And now having it in August next year has made it easier for me. So it's about working out. Would you rather hold tight? And for a lot of people, that's what they're doing. And then for other people, they'd rather reschedule and kind of know like, okay, that's done. So again, it's just about seeing what works for you and your other half rather than taking advice from us or from someone you heard from on the internet. Definitely. You might need to mute some Instagram accounts (laughs) over the next while. I think a big thing to consider as well, um, if you are, if your wedding date is coming up soon, like in the next, you know, three, four months, is how many of your key friends and family members are high risk or particularly vulnerable or over the age of 70, for example. Um, I know a lot of couples getting married this year, their parents are probably over 70 years old and um, you're going to have to think about realistically, um, is it going to be safe for them to attend a big event in August, even if um, you know, restrictions have been lifted by various governments. So that's something I would definitely be keeping in mind. And like you said, Claire, that kind of peace of mind element definitely comes in there because if you're worrying that, you know, your wedding could go ahead on a certain date, but your mom might not be there, maybe then that's that's your gut instinct telling you that you need to think about postponement. Yeah, likewise, if you've maybe siblings or really close friends who live overseas who, you know, things might be better here, but people still might not be able to travel. There's just so much up in the air. So again, our advice is not to definitely postpone, but it's just to think about all of the elements at place for your specific wedding and make a decision on that. Yeah, absolutely. Like our our advice would always be that the same of, you know, check in with yourself and if you can... Um, imagine yourself being able to go on and plan this wedding on this date comfortably, then you know that that's what you should do. And if you can't, then you need to start having that conversation with your partner and your suppliers. Yeah. So the next question we've been getting a lot is guests keep asking me about what the story is for our wedding. I don't answer yet. When do we have to make a call? So I can understand this must be very frustrating for couples to be getting constant questions from guests, especially if your wedding isn't for a few months. I understand if it's in a few weeks. Um, I think it's good, like, as you know, if you're a regular listener, we're big fans of having the one-liner ready to go. So I think having something like a one-line that you can just text people being like, so far the venue said we're good to go. We plan to reassess by... I don't know, May 15th or something like that, that you give a a date when you're going to make a call. Um, again, it's really up to you when you make the call. There's no etiquette on this. This has never happened before. It's not that we're saying oh, you need to let people know a month in advance or six weeks in advance. Um, at the moment, no one can, you know, it's not like anyone's going to be making different plans. Um, but again, it's, you know, people have to cancel flights. People have to you know, let their travel companies know, things like that. So it's, again, quite individualized to your wedding. You know, if you were having a lot of people coming in from around the world, you might want to make a call earlier than, say, if you're having it in your local church, in your local hotel. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's definitely worth emphasizing that um, any kind of, almost any kind of wedding etiquette uh, has not been created with scenario in mind (laughs) where, like, there's essentially no travel happening and, like 
a huge percentage of the world's population aren't working when they're usually doing so. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, I just have to whinge a little bit about the guests who are messaging you around the clock to be like, yeah. what's going on? Like those people can get in the sea because you don't know what's <laughs> going on any more than they do. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, the one liner is always a good call. And I think that's a great idea about putting a date on like, listen, we'll be back in touch at the end of April um, with more news, but we're not sure for now or whatever. Yeah, I think as well, like if you're a guest attending a wedding over the next few months, cut the couple some slack uh, is a big one. Um, and yeah, like it, I think really like you should only be super concerned about this if you have people that need to maybe get refunds on flights and things like that, because obviously there's deadlines for doing so. Um, but for anyone else, I think, yeah, you can just kind of have a line ready to go and then let your guests sort themselves out. Yeah, please don't be getting in touch with your friend who's getting married saying, oh, do you still want me to make that cake for your cake table on, you know, June 25th or whatever? Yeah. Um, just just back off for now and uh, yeah. you'll absolutely be notified what's going on uh, when the couple have a plan in place. I've also seen a few couples say that, like, they sent out a patient, say for an August or a September wedding, and have had... Uh, guests right back be like oh you're optimistic or are you mad or you know things like that and that's just really unkind Um, a lot of people have to proceed as normal have to press on with their plans and then we'll adjust them down the line if it's necessary but you can't just suddenly stop once you've got this like train in motion Um, so I think it, it just be fair to to people and if someone is still pressing on with their plans you know, go with them and be optimistic about it and don't be naysaying it and acting like it's not going to happen because that's just, yeah, it's really not nice. <laughs> no, and if you're the couple receiving that, definitely roll your eyes several, 7,000 million times and just yeah. trot out trot out a one-liner and, and try and forget about it because, listen, people in this scenario can get, um, you know, very, very anxious about stuff that really doesn't require their input especially if it's a guest at your wedding or someone in your wedding party it's yeah, really like probably right, not the thing they need to worry about now no I mean right now I don't know what I'm doing on the 15th of July but it doesn't matter like it's not like I can make any plans anyway so I don't really get the urgency of why people need to know something that's not happening for another couple of months so yeah everyone needs to take a chill on that one um agreed and, the next question we've been getting a lot is my venue has said we're still good to go for our date at the moment, but I can't take the stress of waiting. What should we do? So again, we're certainly not going to tell any individual person to postpone or not or give them like that level of advice. But um, I think you know yourself if you're really anxious and you're not you're not feeling kind of comfortable with your plans to assess the situation and maybe think about um, if postponement is better for you and have that conversation with your partner and your suppliers. Now, that said, it's obviously going to be stressful, this waiting period, like there's no denying that. Um, but in extreme cases, I think that is a valid enough reason to reconsider your plans. Um, mm. But in, in, in the course of like, oh, I'm just feeling really anxious about it. I'm getting married in December 
you know, all the suppliers say we should sit tight. I think you need to just be good to yourself, you and your partner, and um, do whatever you can to kind of make the whole limbo process more bearable. And let's be honest, the limbo process for couples is it's it's really crappy. Um, so you just have to be nice to yourself. Maybe try and get on with a little bit of wedding admin that you can do at the moment. And there are loads. Uh, we actually did a post all about this, which we'll link in the show notes. There are loads of little bits and pieces you can be getting on with if that makes you feel a bit more secure and a bit more like things are pressing on, then that's that's a good way to go as well. Yeah, definitely. I agree. For some people, they just need to have feel like they have control of the situation. So say if it's in, you know, late summer wedding or something like that they just feel much better with the idea of postponing um but yeah again it's just so individual it's about how it sits with you um and what you need to do for yourself and your other half and your mental health <laughs> um the next mental question health we've got, is number one <laughs> yes uh the next question we've gotten a few of actually which is we've changed our plans to be a small city wedding how can we make sure it still feels like a wedding day Ooh, well, I mean, I love this kind of a wedding anyway, so I'm already on your side. <laughs> I'm already RSVPing yeah. <laughs> like enthusiastically yes to this wedding, whoever it is who's inviting me. Um, I suppose you, it all comes down to going back to your priorities, your priorities in that first chat you had with your partner and that you've kept with you all the way through and mm. trying to find a way to include those in your wedding. So for a lot of people, it would be like treating our guests and other people it would be like I just want the best dance floor ever um if you can go back to what those things are you can probably quite easily find a solution for how to channel them or up that factor in a city wedding or a small wedding yeah definitely and I think there's a lot to be said for it mightn't seem like it when you're a few months out but on the day that you get married it feels like your wedding day and I can't explain it in any other sense than that it's just it's so exciting and it's so fun and no matter how simplified you make it it'll still be really exciting and fun and feel like your wedding and so try not to get too worried about that and I think a lot of people will be simplifying their plans a little bit in some way um, or maybe tightening their guesses if they need to in the coming months and so I think it's worth just keeping that in mind that like oh, you might have had plans for like this big bash with like 200 people and if you've had to change things and you're not going to be having that it's still going to be really special and you'll still have loads of fun and like there's nothing stopping you throwing an anniversary party the following year which I'd be all oh, about. I can't even <laughs> imagine the good vibes of a wedding after this like it's going to be like 10,000 times more <laughs> exciting everyone's going to be so up happened. for it can you imagine like how amazing it will feel in whatever room you're in whether it's a small city room or a big giant barn or whatever you planned originally it's going to be amazing um while you mentioned there, Claire, about simplifying your plans, we have gotten the question as well from a lot of people who've said, now we're not sure if we're going to be able to afford the wedding we initially planned, mm. um, which is completely fair. And I think a lot of people at the moment um, aren't even sure they're not going to be able to afford it. They're just starting to question whether they will because yeah. we're so early days. Yeah. Um, so I think like big decisions are, are are probably not being made by most couples at the moment in terms of um, budget because you just there's so much uncertainty and things are at such a standstill. 
Um, but I would just say be really optimistic about the things that you can do on any budget and have a look at our budget breakdowns on the site. We'll link them in mm-hmm. the show notes as well. They're a great thing to look at at the moment for a bit of positivity because we have weddings on there that are that cost €2,000 all the way up to, I think, €75,000. Um, and it, it it's just a breakdown of what the couple spent on everything. But I think even though it's it's not a full 360 view of the wedding, you're kind of just seeing their budget. I think you can really imagine through those features like how you could have an amazing day at any budget. Mm. Um, so that would be something at the moment, I think, to put your mind at ease a little bit. Yeah, definitely. They're very much, they're really reassuring for seeing that like a 2,000 euro wedding could be amazing. And yeah, as we said, like, if you have a listen to our elopement episode, um, that has some good ideas for doing like a small wedding and then having a party and things like that. Um, so obviously it's a slightly different situation, but there's still tips to be garnered from that um, about like the fact that you can still have a big Whopper celebration with all your friends as well as something more intimate. Um, it's just a matter of maybe spacing them out or doing things a little bit differently at the moment. Yeah, in a way now is a great time for um, doing things differently because the formulas are being broken so regularly and there are so many examples of different types of weddings like we talk about on the elopement episode that are weddings that happen in four pieces across one week or weddings that happen, you know, uh, on one big day and then one big day a year later. There's so many ways that couples recently have been changing up the blueprint so there's actually a lot of inspiration out there already for people who are like gonna have to seriously reevaluate their plans yeah yeah there's plenty of ideas out there you just have to be think open-minded optimistic and creative and I have to say I have been at a 2000 euro wedding and it was great fun like (laughs) I, I I have as many memories from that wedding as I do from weddings that were horrendously expensive and lasted for 18 hours so yeah um keep keep that thought in mind like your wedding will be absolutely fab and again the vibes of the weddings post COVID-19 will be so amazing that that will really probably make up a big lot of the difference yeah like right now you know going to sit in a pub for an hour would be a real thrill so oh my god I don't want to I don't want to even say the amount of money I would pay to go to a pub (laughs) right now and I'm nine months pregnant and can't drink (laughs) so like just imagine imagine being able to be in a room with 50 or 100 of your favorite people like it's it's going to be whopper it will um, so the next question that obviously we've been getting a lot is where do we start with postponing our wedding? I'm feeling overwhelmed at the thought. So I think the first place to start is obviously your venue Um, talk to them. The ideal if you're postponing is that you can move as many of the elements just to another date as possible. Um, if you're already quite advanced with your planning, which presuming if you're postponing your wedding, you're getting married soon uh, or you were planning to get married soon. Um. One thing I saw that I think is really useful is someone sent out a doodle to all of their suppliers with a list of a few dates that they had available at the venue and saw the date that would suit most of their suppliers. And that way they were able to just transfer all the bookings and move them all over. Um, So I think that's a really good way to kind of get as many things sorted in one go. I have seen a lot of people that they've 
managed to get everything moved within a couple of days. So I think it's that idea of like in your head, you've got a pile of admin the size of planning a wedding from scratch, but you're not planning from scratch and trust that you've already done all the research and all the vetting and you've chosen all the vendors. So if you can try and move as many of them as possible to your new date, that's the best way forward. Um, And then anyone who... So I guess if you pick a few priority vendors who you really don't want to get married without, so it might be your photographer, your florist, um, caterer, it depends on who it is for you, um, and then pick the date that suits the majority of them and obviously any key guests that you have as well, like parents, siblings. Um, and then after that, I think everyone else on your guest list will do their best to get there. Things are going to be different. There's going to be a lot of midweek weddings now and that's going to be okay. (laughs) Like I know a lot of couples will have had like Saturday wedding in their head or a Friday wedding in their head. But I mean, I've been to midweek weddings and I, by the time you get there, you don't notice that it's a midweek wedding at all. Um, so yeah, I think that's the best place to start anyway. And then, yeah, once you've got your new date and move over your suppliers, then after that, you can just kind of then start looking at what's left after that. And Claire, for the couple who might have the technological age of 89, like myself, a doodle is... Oh, sorry. (laughs) It's this, basically, it's a magical app that helps you sync updates, right? Yes. So say if your venue gives you four available dates, um, you just put in all those dates and then everyone ticks which ones that they're free to do. Cool. I have used it before and I found it very easy to use. Um, Yes, it is. It's very like intuitive or whatever. Um, But I just say that to like highlight because if I was listening, I'd be like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Why am I doodling? Um, Yeah, I think when, yeah, when dealing with suppliers, definitely um, all of those are great. And uh, I, I know it might be disappointing that if there is one or two suppliers who, you know, you're not able to carry with you through onto your new date. Um, but in that case, um, like what we've heard from suppliers that we've been in contact with is they're so ha- happy to help you find someone with a similar style um, and they will do everything for you to try and sync you up with someone who they know who think would be a great fit for you personality-wise, yeah. style-wise, aesthetic-wise. Uh, in terms of someone maybe who's got familiar with your venue or you're part of the country or whatever. Um, So, you know, obviously the ideal is that that won't happen and you'll just be having your whole wedding on another date. But if there are um, cases where you have to change supplier uh, and it's a supplier that you're really, really excited about working with, um, don't be too worried about that because your supplier will still be able to give you a hand with finding someone and you'll you'll still have the most amazing day and it will all work out it'll be great (laughs) that is the message of this episode is it will be amazing like it really will like I'm I'm getting such a goo now to go for a wedding like I mean this is inevitable with this episode like I should have put my heels on for this record yeah I'm like gasping for a second Let me into a room with a load of people and waiters handing me Prosecco, please. Yeah, nice dresses and makeup. Soon. Our next question we've been getting a lot is, uh, do you have any tips for transferring our summer wedding plans to winter? Because I think a lot of couples are in that position. Hmm. Um, I would definitely start by listening to our winter wedding episode of the podcast. Yes. Uh, which we'll link. 
And also um, we have a whole section of the website where there's loads of real winter weddings. Um, and we have lots of great features on winter weddings that are full of inspiration. So we'll link all those in the show notes. I think that kind of inspiration is a great way to start and to get yourself mentally on board with, oh, a winter wedding would be, it will be different. There's no doubt, but it will be magical in a slightly different way. Yeah, it's going to be really exciting, I think. But it's about doing that, like getting yourself excited, getting yourself hyped for it. Like if you had, you know, cocktails on the lawn, then you're maybe thinking about like mulled wine in like a really cozy room. And it's just about, yeah, wrapping your head around it and finding new things to be excited about. Um, But there is plenty to be excited about. And then when it comes to transferring your day over, um, the things to keep in mind are the timeline. Um, Obviously, it gets darker earlier in winter. So um, it's worth talking to your venue and your photographer about that because you may want to rejig things slightly. Um, The flowers is another big one that will change. Again, though, like florists are extremely creative and adaptable. So whatever kind of vibe you were already going for for your summer wedding your florist will be able to transfer that obviously you might have ideas which you can send them but don't worry too much about it because if you were going for like loose boho like free-flowing florals your florist will be able to come up with a winter version of that um and then the style is the other thing so I think it's worth like looking at your dress and seeing how that can be ideally adapted. Like hopefully you won't need a different dress entirely. Um, so how that can be adapted if you might need a cover up or a stole or talk to a dressmaker about adding sleeves or maybe you want to like add some sparkle to your jewellery or something like that to make it a bit more festive if it was a bit more of a minimal look for summer. Um, and then also looking at like your wedding party and their outfits and making sure everyone will be warm and comfortable on the day. Yeah, I definitely think that you don't need to um, like rethink your whole aesthetic or color palette um, because it often happens to me where I'm looking at um, a real wedding and I honestly, until I look at whether there are leaves on the trees, I can't t- yeah. <laughs> tell what kind of weather or climate is going on. Yeah. Um, so I think if you're someone, let's say, who's maybe was planning a like lots of baby blues and baby pinks and you think like, oh, that won't work now. Like there are definitely ways to make it work. Equally, mm-hmm. if you were having loads of tropical like uh leaves around the place and you think oh that's too beachy and summery now and it won't work um like there are definitely ways to tweak a lot of that stuff and uh in terms of like bridesmaids dresses it's more about like yeah trying to get them warm enough and giving them an extra layer Uh, I wouldn't be worried about like oh because it's a winter wedding I obviously have to have everything be burgundy now like you absolutely don't no and you can have fun with it like if you were going to have a tropical wedding you could always lean into a tropical wedding in December like I think that'd be great crack so don't worry too much about having a whole different wedding like you've already moved so much and your guests are going to be so excited and so happy for you that they're going to go with whatever you've decided to do on the day. Um, obviously for some people that are quite like passionate about the setting and the styling, then they are going to want to lean into the season a bit. But if that's not you and you were kind of happy with how everything was going anyway, then I'd still press on with whatever you have planned. Obviously maybe not yeah, like I'm- outside in December. <laughs> 
No, but I'm very much excited to see a December wedding that has like flamingo centerpieces, etc. Because yes. I think that will be really fun. And like you said, Claire, like people will just get on board and it'll give them a great laugh. And it will also look cool. Like it will look just as cool. It will look cool in a different way. Yeah, like I'm not going to be turning down a margarita just because there's snow outside. So, Listen, we all know that you've been after a margarita for a long time now. Seven months. It's the theme of your pregnancy. Yeah, so Claire's going to be drinking those margaritas no matter what. Yes. And your guests will be the same. Okay, so the next question we have had a good bit is, uh, we're hoping to go ahead with our wedding in the late summer. How can we include those who can travel or older guests who can't attend? So obviously this is from couples who are have decided they're happy enough to go ahead with their wedding um, in a couple of months' time. And all the key people are kind of in place, but there are maybe a handful, um, maybe a few grandparents, maybe a few close friends who now are looking like they might not be able to attend. Yeah, so at least one one good thing to come from this is that we're all very proficient in videos, uh, video hangouts now. So um, obviously, like there'll be the likes of Zoom, Skype, Google Hangouts, all of the ways that you've probably been keeping in touch with people over the last while are available to you. Um, again, you might want to do a, a practice run, particularly if it's with someone older who you know, mightn't be as versed in using the internet, maybe making sure someone's with them, like a neighbor, someone can pop in with the laptop and get it set up for them. I have seen a specific wedding one called Either that is set up apparently just for weddings. It's a wedding streaming platform. And so that might be worth checking out. If you're getting married in a church, it's worth talking to them about whether or not they already have streaming set up because a lot of weddings and funerals and masses are already streamed. Um, so they might have an infrastructure in place for that already. Yeah, definitely. We will be better at this kind of technology as a, as a human race uh, than we've ever been before. So a lot of this stuff you won't even really need to do the heavy lifting on, like ceremony venues churches will have kind of mastered this art already um it would be cute if let's say one of the um people you wanted to include was a grandparent who lived nearby building a bit into the day where you like pop over in your dress mm -hmm. and you know have a little social distance wave from outside the window like I think you just got to be creative and do case by case basis with this stuff because Obviously, some people will be in a different continent. Some people will be down the road, but you can't risk compromising their health. So definitely just look at it with a creative eye and, um, you know, explore the possibilities a little bit. Yeah. And you can um, also like include notes from them at the speeches or do like, you know, one on one calls in the morning before, like while you're getting ready or something like that, just to make sure that they, they feel like they're part of your day. Um, but yeah, there's like so many ideas for it. So yeah, it's just worth getting a bit creative with it. You could definitely dress up you and your partner in your wedding day outfits, you know, a week later or something as well. Yeah. Um, and pop around to them and do a little ring exchange outside the window or something like there's there's always uh, there's always some kind of get around for these things. Definitely. I love the way this next question is phrased. Should we even bother booking a honeymoon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you should definitely bother going on honeymoon, but booking, yeah. looking into booking it now is not, just doesn't make any sense, to be honest. No, it um, can be really tempting. There's a lot of deals to be had, but um, 
I'm on the sit-tie camp, I think, for this one at the moment. Yeah, I think research is is totally okay because really, ultimately, if you're planning to go to Bali, you know, next year, it's probably not going to be that different of an itinerary if you were going to Bali last year um, by the time you actually get over there. So I think the research part, yeah, go ahead and and have a look and maybe think about what you'd like to do. Uh, if, if you're the kind of person like I am who loves to like plan travel with um, militant detail. Uh, but I, w- I wouldn't be booking personally. No. Um, the next question we've had is, our destination wedding has been cancelled, so we're starting from scratch at home. Any advice? Ooh, I would say, like, the same points apply about, like, what were your priorities for your destination wedding? Like, obviously, one of them might have been, I want a guaranteed son. And if you're in Ireland or the UK, that's not... A possibility now so you might have to say well that priority is getting shifted down to number 10 as opposed to number one but uh yeah look at what the things that you were excited about in your destination wedding were and uh, try and focus on them when you're starting from scratch like this is one of those scenarios where i do think okay couples in this position they've got a lot of like just redoing of quite dull admin tasks I mean Mm. some dull some fun like everyone likes to go on a venue visit or whatever um so this is a tough one I think yeah okay in fairness to you you do have a lot of work ahead of you um but definitely try to figure out ways to to satisfy those top two or three priorities that you and your partner really wanted yeah, I think that's a really good tip. I'd also like have a proper sit down and talk about like what you kind of have learned from your previous planning and what you want to take from it. So for you and your other half, it might be that like, oh, do you know what? Now that we've gone through all this drama, we just want to have like something simple. Or it might be that you are even more motivated now to have everyone in one place, which is one of the great things about destination wedding. So you're going to plan a big weekend down the country for everybody. So it's worth, yeah, just kind of checking in with each other, seeing where you're at. If you want to take a break from planning for a while, that's totally fair too. If you, maybe you, you were planning a lot yourself for the other wedding and now you, you've decided you want a, a planner to help because you can't face doing it all again, that's totally fine too. I think it's about cutting yourself some slack and seeing kind of what you're, what you want and what you envision for, for your wedding at home Um and and then kind of starting from there um but yeah again it's kind of as we say about starting planning any wedding is to have a big chat identify your priority and go from there yeah I think it's worth saying that whatever way feeling is valid like if you're like I am so exhausted from this whole thing that I'm now feeling like I would like a smaller more simplified wedding or if you're like all I want is the biggest party ever um all of those feelings are completely valid so go go with what what your gut is telling you and what you and your partner are feeling uh when the time comes to sort of start planning again so we've also had a lot of questions relating to the wedding dress all important um someone has asked uh i have i already have my dress and i'm worried i'll get sick of it or it might be dated by next year 
Um, I wouldn't say that this is something to get too worried about because really me and Claire look at wedding dresses all day long and there are very few that even we could date. <laughs> We're given them in some kind yeah. of Zoom quiz, which who knows, we <laughs> might be in the next week. Um, yeah. So I wouldn't really worry about that. Like your whatever dress that you picked that you loved in the store or online or wherever you got it, it would be timeless by the nature of like your love for it makes it timeless. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't be worried about that. What Claire said earlier about seize the season obviously holds true in that like you might need to add a layer if you're getting married now in a different time of year or our plans have changed in that regard. But otherwise I would say you loved your dress before COVID-19, you're still going to love your dress after COVID-19. Yeah, definitely. I'd put it out of sight so you're not looking at it too often. Um, and I would also ask your boutique, if you already have it at home, talk to your boutique about how to store it as well. Um, because that'll be quite important to make sure it's still like really fresh next year. Um, so yeah, just that's just an additional tip <laughs> to make sure that you're storing it properly um, if you have it at home for the year. Yeah, definitely. In general, garments don't like plastic. Um, so think about, um, you might need to think about ordering yourself online, like a special garment bag if you don't have one already. Stuff like that is important to keep in mind if you have it at home. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we got another dress related question from a listener who writes, I'm getting married just before Christmas, so we should still be fine to go ahead. But I'm worried about the stuff I'm not getting done now, like dress and suit shopping, my hair and makeup trials and finding dresses for my bridesmaids. Yeah, this is definitely uh, something I'm sure is occurring to any couples who are getting married sort of towards the end of the year who had this whole plan marked out of in August, I will do this in September, I will do this. And now it's all Mm -hmm. kind of gone by the wayside Um, in terms of the specifics of those. Um, so like dress and suit shopping, a lot of boutiques are doing virtual consultations. If that's something you're interested in, I would say like explore all the options, explore bespoke, explore online. Like, you know, you do, you're just going to have to open up, um, your outfit search really, um, Mm. because there's no other way to, like, I can't tell you, oh, you should definitely do one or the other. Um, but you're definitely going to have to open up your options and see which one is best for you and which option kind of will put you most at ease and has the most, the, the highest likelihood of, of getting you the outfit that your heart most desires. Um, in yeah. terms of hair and makeup, um, we have heard from a lot of hairstylists and makeup artists who have said like, okay, there are, are maybe some couples who are going to have to go ahead without a trial. Um, hopefully not. If you're getting married at Christmas, hopefully you'll be able to get your trials in. But if you are um, not to worry, uh, I actually heard one, I think it was a hairstylist say that the trials are really more for the bride's peace of mind than they are actually something that the professionals feel like they need to do. They're obviously well equipped to do their job without a trial. Um so don't think of that as the biggest catastrophe. Obviously, before all this, we, me and Claire would have said, absolutely get a hair and makeup trial mm-hmm. um, because why why not? Um, but if you think now that that isn't going to happen, definitely uh, don't be stressing and you might need to build in a little bit of extra time on the day to be in contact with your hair and makeup person. Hopefully you will get a trial. Um, 
But again, like if you've picked the right people, you'll absolutely be happy with your look. And if you're not and you've built a little bit of extra time into the getting ready, you know, they'll be able to tweak it for you on the day anyway. Yeah, definitely. And I think for finding bridesmaids dresses, you can still do a lot of your research now. Um, I think it's worth being quite sensitive with your bridesmaids. Obviously, they might have stuff going on as well. Um, But I think if you set up a WhatsApp group with them, that's specifically for dresses and just kind of say, hey, I'm a bit anxious to like keep pressing on with plans. I hope it's okay. Um, if like we start running dresses by you guys, let me know if it's not. Um, they probably will be fine to keep shopping. I think the main concern is for, which is less of a case in Ireland, but internationally where bridesmaids are asked to pay for the dresses. Um, that might be a bit of an issue for bridesmaids at the moment. Um, but I think in terms of just looking for ideas and inspiration, I think they'll be happy enough to press on and to it might be actually a nice distraction to be sharing links and things like that. Um, I know some international bridesmaids brands will still be shipping. So I guess it's worth um, taking a look at those. But in the meantime, you can still definitely be doing your research and then just be ready to go as soon as things lift um, on the other side Um, and yeah as you said when it comes to dresses um, wedding dresses the same lead-ins will apply for made to order designer dresses Um, so it's worth if you had a designer or particular dress in mind ringing the boutique that stocks it and having a chat with them um, about the kind of lead-in you need and what they need from you it might just be measurements and they can still go ahead and order it if you've already tried it on um, otherwise yeah bespoke is a great option um, and then as well there are a lot of designers now who have kind of capsule collections which are ready to order you can order online and they'll still maybe have a six or eight week lead-in so it's not that you'll get them straight away um, but you'll definitely get them a lot quicker than a made to order dress so there's lots of options there so try not to get too worried about it um and yeah I guess now is the time to do as much research as you can so that you're ready to pounce when things open up again I think the ideal situation for this person is if you basically have a picture an inspiration picture or two or three for all of these things ready to go so that when things open up um, you know for a fact, well, all my bridesmaids are happy with black jumpsuits. Um, and you know, oh, well, X designer um, seems like they're going to be a good fit for me. And now I suddenly have time and I'm able to access a boutique. So, you know, let's let's go for it. Um, just having the most information possible about what you want aesthetically is the best advice we can give. Yeah, it'll be a different process. I think for a lot of people, they're not going to be just aimlessly going around boutique to boutique trying on dresses at random the way we kind of all picture it like a fun day out just like trying things on and it might be a bit more targeted but that also might make the whole process of finding your dress a little bit more direct and fun and easy for you. Again, I think we can all say that walking into a shop right now would be amazing. (laughs) No matter what you're going to get, it would be a tonic. Um, And so our last question then that we're going to, that we feel like we can address on this topic is, any tips for planning a wedding virtually? We just got engaged and we want to start venue searching ASAP. 
So I think if you go back to our episodes about getting started, all the ones from January, so um, the ones about like the first chat that you have with your other half and how to get started with venue searching, a lot of that was actually virtual, as in making your short list, reaching yeah. out to venues, asking a couple of initial questions. Um, I do think a lot of venues will start doing things like 360 tours and things like that, but it's worth keeping in mind that at the moment, a lot of the venue staff have been advised to be at home. Um, so you can't expect them to be uh, walking around the venue uh, on FaceTime or whatever at the moment. Um, but yeah, it, it's that thing again of like getting your research in now for venues. And a lot of them will still be contactable over email. So you can still ask your questions now and then be ready to pounce once they start opening up. Yeah, and definitely the feature that I mentioned earlier that I compiled of loads of things that you can be doing during um, social isolation and while kind of businesses are on pause uh, is really handy. So definitely visit there. There's a list of things you can be getting started with. Um, and yeah, hopefully that will get you excited about being engaged in planning the wedding, even though I know a lot of your main bookings won't be able to be made for a little while. Mm. So we also got lots and lots of questions that were entirely unrelated to coronavirus um, because, of course, many of you are getting married later in the year or next year and you have all of the normal questions to ask. Um, so, yes, we'll press into some of those as well. So the first section we have here is guests, which is always a topic of much discussion. Uh, yes. Somebody asked, how do you manage the expectations of those on the B list you couldn't fit or afford? Now... I think this person really means like the F or G list. As if they're going by our tried and tested method, yes. Which we have discussed in at least two podcast episodes. <laughs> so by B list, they mean not that they're, you know, they're a best friend from school. They no, mean that they're the ones so that didn't make the cut. They're someone who's not coming, basically. Yeah. Um, like, it's a tough one. Like, you can't really worry too much about those people because you did decide ultimately that they weren't they didn't yeah. make the cut um I don't know do you need to really get in touch with them and like that just sounds like an awkward conversation if you go yeah. hey, I just want to let you know you're not coming to my wedding um but if you mean and then obviously you might be thinking oh well in the case of I bump into them on the street, which isn't going to be happening now. And they ask me about my wedding plans. How do I get out of that awkward conversation? Or let's say they message you on WhatsApp and say, how are the wedding planning plans go going or whatever? I mean, all you can say is, uh, all you can do is be vague, really. I don't, I don't know if there's much benefit to going into detail about why you didn't want to invite yeah, them. Yeah, I'd say less is more. So say if it's work colleagues and you're not inviting them, you just kind of chat about the plans, but net, like be careful to never imply that they're coming in the first place is I think the best way The you run into trouble when you have to roll back on when you invited when you were on a night out a couple of months ago. Um, but I think if you never let them have expectations that they will be coming in the first place, then you shouldn't need to manage them if you don't invite them in the end. The next question is, how long do you give people to RSVP? Um, I think about a month. Am I being too generous? I think a month is fair. I mean, I think there's always going to be people who you have to chase any, aren't there? There's always one or two of those. 
Yeah, I say, you either... knew I was coming. <laughs> yeah, like I either RSVP on the day I get the invitation, or else I don't do it. Like I forget, or so, you forget. Yeah, same. yeah. So I kind of maybe it's better to give a two week window to RSVP, and then you'll have longer to chase people up on the other side. Now it is really annoying having to chase people up, but I've also been the traced up person, <laughs> so. I know it happens. Yeah, and people I, do just forget. If you're thinking that, oh, if I put the date on the invitation for the RSVP as like six weeks after the person gets the invitation, that will make more people RSVP. You're probably kidding yourself because the, yeah. the very like forgetful people of the world will forget anyway. So I'd say keep it, yeah, keep it short to under a month, kind of depending on how long you have. Yeah, and um, I think two be weeks to, a to follow month. up. Yeah. And then also just keep in mind, if you're inviting people overseas, that the invitation might take a week or 10 days to get to them. So bear that in mind as well before you start hounding them for their response. The next question, how long before a destination wedding do I send our invitations? The save the dates were sent a year in advance. Well, that's a good place to be in. I think if you've sent the save the dates that far in advance, then everyone is well aware of what's going on. So I would say, what, you know, two, three months maybe? Yeah, I think it depends on how much information you've included with your save the dates versus how much you'll send with the invitations. So if if you've got in, like information about an itinerary or accommodation, I'd send it earlier rather than later. Um, whereas if it's just a kind of formality and people already have a link to a wedding website or they've already booked in their accommodation and their flights, then yeah, just the normal etiquette applies of about eight weeks, eight to 12 weeks, I think. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, the next question, when is the right time to send save the dates for a December 2020 wedding? I think save the dates are kind of a free for all in terms of when you can send them. Like I'm never going to be annoyed to get one too early. No, I think if you're going to the effort of sending a save the date I'd say as soon as possible because the whole point of a save the date is that your wedding gets booked in before another event and particularly with December it's a busy month there's a lot happening so it's worth sending it out as soon as possible so people keep the date yeah no reason to hold off I don't think really yeah and the next question is an unusual one uh, how much effort should I put in to help my aunties and grandparents get to and from the wedding um, There's I a mean, weird bit of shade coming off this question, yeah, isn't there? Like, like begrudging oh. the effort. <laughs> Somebody wants help, and I don't want to help them. <laughs> um, I like in my head, I'm like, however much you want them there. Um, I mean, I think it's always appreciated if you can sort lifts for people. Um, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily like get them chauffeur driven, but if you've got someone who can give them a lift and make sure they get home or even give them a lift there and then organize for a taxi for them to get back. Um, I think that's as much effort as it warrants. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, I think, I think so. I think, um, like there, there might be a specific reason why aunties or grandparents need a bit of extra help. Like if they don't drive or, you know, your venue is particularly remote or something like that. And if that's the case, and they, you think it's a big effort for them basically to get to and from the wedding more than the average guest. Absolutely come up with a way that you might be able to help hook them up with someone who can give them a lift or whatever. But um, otherwise, I think, you know, they'll probably be grand. Yeah. <laughs> they'll probably be able to get there on their own. 
I, I assume this person means that like my grandparents, you know, are find it hard to be in the car for a long amount of time or they don't drive or something. There's some kind yeah. of scenario going on here. Uh, in which case it is lovely to offer a bit of extra help. And even if they don't take it, if they're like, no, 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 I've sorted something out, then, you know, you're all good. Yeah, but it's definitely one to delegate. Uh, don't be worrying too much about it on the day yourself. It's a great best man job, this one. Yeah. So the next question we have is, with the table plans, should we mix families at tables or not? They don't know each other. Um, I think you could or you couldn't, and both could be fine. Um, I don't really have strong feelings either way. I think both would be completely acceptable. Uh, obviously, depends on the amount of family members you have and how, how that's working out. Um, I think it's nice for families to get quality time together at a wedding all sitting together. But again, if you've got four from one and four from the other, and that would make up a table, uh, that would be also equally lovely. It just depends on how many of these family members there are, I suppose. Yeah, some people have really strong feelings about being upset and don't know at a wedding. But I also think if you don't take advantage of having all those people in a room, then you never will. So if if you think they get on and you think they'll mix well, then do it. If you think everyone's going to be awkward and it'll negatively affect the vibe, then don't. But generally people get on and they chat with whoever they're sat beside. So hopefully your family are the same. Wine is a great thing, is all I'll say on this. <laughs> Wine is a great thing. Can you tell yeah, we haven't drank it in months and months? <laughs> we just were really extra feeling self-isolation because of the no alcohol. Yeah. As you can tell. Um, yeah. The next question that we have here is, are long tables with no seating plan a terrible idea? I don't think so. I'm pretty sure I've been to that exact wedding and it was fine. Yeah, no, I don't think it's terrible. There's no such thing as a terrible idea. Well, maybe there is. But no, I think it's fine. Just one thing to think about when you don't have a seating plan is that there'll be gaps in the table. So you need to maybe have more seats than guests, if that makes sense. Um, so that someone doesn't end up in that like teen movie cafeteria moment where there's nowhere to, for them to sit at kind of and they come back with their with their food. Um, so yeah, it's worth just kind of thinking about that so that if certain groups sit together, people aren't left on their own um, or there's not like big gaps along the table. Um, so yeah, it might just take a little bit of thought, but it's not a terrible idea now. Again, a good job for someone from the wedding party is maybe to uh, make ask them to make sure that everyone's all right and see if, you know, people need to be told to shift up a couple of seats. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. But yeah, like your venue will probably help you manage that. Or if you if you're getting married at home, like a caterer or someone like that might have someone who'll help. Uh, the next question we have in this section is where do you stop with plus ones? I mean, this really depends on how much capacity you have, I think, because um, I've heard a lot of couples say like, oh, God, I wish I just let my auntie bring her new boyfriend or whatever, because we had the extra five places and I maybe got a bit snap happy with the guest. Um, yeah, like, I, I think just as long as it makes sense to you, like, for example, if you're inviting four colleagues from work and they're all uh, female friends of yours that you have lunch with every day and you've never met their partners, obviously it makes sense to invite those four people singly. Uh, but if your brother has been dating someone for six months and 
you can't find a spot for her. <laughs> that might be seen as, you know, that's obviously putting that person out in a huge way versus not putting someone out at all. Just think about what it's like for the for the person who's the plus one's plus one um, for the number one person um, and just just be sensible about it. Yeah, I think if you've got people coming on their own who won't know anyone, it's only fair to give them a plus one. Um, and yeah, then again, like if you've got like, you know, 20 cousins, giving each of them plus one is 20 more people, which is a lot. Um, so yeah, I think it's just kind of having a bit of common sense approach to it, really. Um, I don't like the idea. I've seen a lot of like, no ring, no plus one. I hate that. I don't think that's fair. Um, like at our wedding, we invited girlfriends or boyfriends if we'd met them really. But like if we hadn't met them, we had a word with the person and we I asked if they'd really liked them there. Um, if there was like a new friend, if it was a friend we hadn't seen in a while or something like that. Um, but yeah, like I wouldn't be there's no really like hard and fast rules on it or strict rules on it. I think it's about taking it case by case or group by group. The next question is, how do you tell your dad that you're walking yourself down the aisle? Um, I would say with this one, what you want is a nice blow softener to go with this piece of information. So yeah. instead of saying, hey, dad, you're not walking me down the aisle. See you later. Uh, you might say, hey, dad, I've got this really exciting um, part of the wedding that I would like you to be involved with, uh, whereby you escort me in the car from where we're getting ready to the venue or whatever. Um, and make sure that your dad knows that you're not not asking him to walk you down the aisle because, you know, you don't care. He's not special or important, but uh, give him something in the wedding that is that that is a bit of a special or important moment for him especially if you know you feel like he's been a fantastic dad to you all these years um and then the idea that he won't maybe get to walk you down the aisle won't seem so harsh if he knows he has you know an amazing speech he's going to give and that's something he'd like or try and think of something he would like that he would enjoy and his personality would allow for in the wedding and reach out with something like that first yeah, we have a whole episode on kind of instances like this, which is our how to have a feminist wedding. Um, and that's definitely worth listening to in depth because, yeah, it just kind of fleshes out each of these kind of situations of like if you're turning a tradition on its head entirely or having a twist on it, um, how to set expectations around it and explain your reasons behind it as well. Um, because I think if you're able to kind of back it up with, why you feel strongly about it if there are any repercussions which hopefully there won't be and um, you'll be able to kind of explain your justifications for it so the next question we have is we're close to both sides of my family but only one side of his do we invite all sides um my feeling on this is sort of like no if you can justify it or if you are okay with the idea that that side might find out and be a little bit upset like if you can stand by your decision on this then I think yeah go with go with what you feel yeah definitely I think it's worth um thinking about the parents in this situation now we're always kind of on the fence of which your parents should be involved in the guest list but um I think 
say if it's your other half's dad and it's his family who aren't getting invited, he might be really hurt by that if three other sides of the family are getting invited. Um, so yeah, as you said, it's kind of looking at the justification behind it. Um, why you are not having them there? Is it that you're trying to keep the guest list intimate, that you only want people you know well and feel close to? Or is it just that you're you're just assuming that they won't want to come because they really might? Yeah, we're not huge sticklers for like fairness and balance across weddings generally, myself and Claire. But I think where parents' feelings are involved, definitely give it a bit of extra thought. Yeah, 100%. So that brings us on to planning and suppliers. Uh, and we've had a few specific uh, scenario-based questions. The first being, when flying a makeup artist to a destination wedding, how many nights accommodation should I pay for? Uh, well, I would say on this one, you definitely should ask them, you know, get, start the conversation with them because they kind of need to dictate this a certain amount um, in terms of how how they're able to justify operating their business when they are traveling across the world for a wedding. I would imagine it's at least two if it's a wedding, you know, an hour or two hour flight away, um, but then maybe longer if they're going to have to adjust to time zones or anything like that yeah I would say two is a good minimum um, if they're flying abroad uh, maybe up to four uh, probably that's a good range yeah but your makeup artist will be the one who's pricing it so they'll explain their expenses um, because obviously it'll be flights and their luggage and whatever else they need um, so it really will be up to them it's probably not up to you which sounds a bit harsh but it's the package that they'll put together for you yeah and you never know what their plans are they might be planning to stay on and go on holiday or they might be already in that country for another destination wedding or they might have to immediately fly home for something else so it's really just something that you need to talk to them about and um, the next question is our restaurant closes at 2 a.m how do you end the day without people standing around for more I don't think you can help that happening. <laughs> <laughs> if people are dying for pints at 2am, I don't know if you can quench that thirst really, can you? Yeah. And it's also not really for you to worry about. Like if you're anxious that you want to have like more of a late night party, then you can obviously arrange that. Um, hotel residence bars, I guess, are the way to go. Um, but if you and your other half are going to want to like head off then you and your other half just head off and it's not really for you to clear the place out the staff at your venue will be well versed in doing that yeah absolutely like as we always say you're it's not your job to plan you know a, a night out for someone else it's exactly to their specifications yeah so they're welcome to go off and find a pub that's open or a club or whatever if they want but don't don't be worrying about them uh, unless you're you're worried and you also want the party to keep going I wouldn't worry about everyone else because you've already thrown them a big huge party so they should yeah. be pretty satisfied with that yes uh the next question is a quick one mulled wine at a Christmas wedding yay or nay I say yay absolutely yay yeah. I mean this Christmas I really wanted a mulled wine <laughs> <laughs> this, I love this whole episode is just us talking about how much we <laughs> want to drink alcohol again there's such a uh, theme it's such a theme, but uh, 
I love mulled wine at a wedding. I am always excited to see it. I actually think I would welcome it even in summer. That's how much I'm into it. So yeah, you're Whoa. getting a big thumb, thumbs up from me. <laughs> I just love a mulled drink. It's so like yeah. aromatic and delicious. Yeah. And if you don't like mulled wine, we have a whole list of other hot cocktails on the website. So check that out. So next question is asking us for New Year's Eve wedding tips. So we actually have a post all about this, which we can link. Um, yeah, very we conveniently. do. Um, I would um, say my main one would probably be just make sure to arrange something for the countdown. Like don't just leave the countdown up to chance and hope that your auntie yeah. will start counting down. Uh, talk to your band slash DJ slash whatever entertainment you have about uh, what they would suggest, probably a band, uh, wedding band will have, or DJ will have uh, done New Year's Eve weddings before and they'll have good ideas of like fun ways to get the crowd excited for the countdown. Yeah. And my big tip for this is to think about how everyone's getting home. So maybe you'll be somewhere where you have accommodation on site, but if not, um, we've all tried to get a taxi at 2am on New Year's Eve. It's not pretty. So um, yeah, maybe arrange buses or taxi companies or something to make sure that you won't like throw an amazing day and then have it spoiled by everyone standing out in the cold trying to get home at the end of the night. Um, other things to keep in mind, of course, are things like bar extension um, block booking accommodation, things like that. But um, yeah, we have a feature all about it. So um, that's worth the read. So the next question in this segment is, we can't decide between two country house venues. Uh, Claire, is this where you get out your be decisive flag and wave it about? Just, just be decisive. Uh, <laughs> yeah. like It's our, our most frustrating most piece of information. <laughs> yeah. They're both probably like, great. Um, it's it's yeah. tough. Again, I can only say go back to your... Uh, wish list or your bucket list we uh, suggested this in the how to find your wedding venue episode of the pod and in uh, other relevant features which we can link about looking for your venue uh, you need to really have a, a list of things that you want from your venue um, rather than going into venue search going oh I just would love a lovely room um, uh, so refer back to what those are and you and your partner should have talked about them and decided upon them before and if you haven't absolutely do it now and uh that should help hopefully uh, a winner stand out yeah i think um if you have that kind of list of like wish list in your head uh close your eyes and think of which venue brings you closest to that day um and then after that i think it's worth just saying that whichever one you choose your guests won't know what the other one was. So it's they won't be comparing the two against each other. And on, once you go with one, like that's the one you're going with. So don't kind of look back and, and keep thinking about the other one. Just make the decision and move on. Yeah, FOMO in weddings only really exists in your own head. It doesn't exist for anyone else, like nobody in the in attendance. Um, so it's something for you to like mentally get over as a hurdle as opposed to something yeah. to be worrying about your guest experience of because they're not going to be like yeah. oh well didn't she tell me that there was actually an orangery in the other venue none of that is going to be going on they're just going to be like "Ooh, champagne or whatever <laughs> yeah um the next question is how can i tell if the price i've been quoted for something is normal um i think there's well there's no such thing as normal really um 
there is a spectrum of prices for absolutely everything but the best way for you to feel comfortable with the price that you go with for something is to get more than one quote so I think for everything I'd get at least three quotes um from suppliers of similar standard or quality um, and then that way you have a good idea if someone is way over or way under yeah in general I don't think um how do I get the best bargain is a great way to approach wedding planning and I say this as someone who's like very uh thrifty and you know loves a budget um but I think it's one area where like you know if you are if you end up paying more than your best friend paid for their cake but you were happier with your cake or same with your planner or uh any any other vendor anything else your wine anything I think it's worth it um there's a lot of peace of mind that comes into this kind of thing and a lot of like well the guests were happy and it added to the atmosphere so I wouldn't say get don't I would say don't get too pent up about like oh my god um you know I'm being swizzed at every at every turn because really you're you're getting what you paid for which is something me and Claire are always hammering home but it is true um yeah, it's, it's great to get, you know, a bargain and there definitely are bargains to be had in weddings. But um, I think what what the particular thing is worth to you is more important to focus on than what is the industry standard. That's my personal feeling. Yeah, so I think it's worth like if a price doesn't sit well with you to try and get a few quotes or if a figure is just really shocking to you because sometimes it'll seem shocking from the outset because you're just starting to plan a wedding and then you'll realize oh there's a reason why things cost what they do um but obviously you're not to know what anything what the going rate is certain things when you're just starting so yeah definitely get a few quotes for everything um and then pick a price that you feel comfortable with so we now come to our quick fire section uh, of the q a so i'm gonna just lash in um lash in. when sh- i will lash in when should you do the father-daughter dance i would say after the first dance yeah i think so or else you could do it at a different time altogether like you could do it you know on the lawn or something like that like have it be a totally different moment um but yeah otherwise in the scheme of in a traditional kind of layout of a day i'd say after the first dance Next question. Any guidelines on the timeline of the wedding? We actually have a very helpful feature that Claire wrote, which has four sample timelines based on various kind of styles and seasons of weddings. So I think that is the best place to go. And we'll link that uh, feature in the show notes. Yeah. But the top tip for this is to start at the end of the day and work your way back. And the next one is for an outdoor wedding, do you need a sound system for the celebrant or vows? I would say have one just in case because it's better to be able to hear than to not. Yeah, I would say if you're having any more than, you know, 20 or 40 people, and you probably are, uh, I would say, yeah, it's it's definitely safer to go ahead and arrange one or at least ask your venue because they will have experience of this, presumably. Yes. Um, the next question is, I'm planning on doing my own hair and makeup. Any tips? I would say go into a makeup counter and have someone do your makeup. And often you can redeem that against product. And then that way you have the product and you've seen how they did it. I've heard great reports from uh, brides recently who have done their own and have paid for a couple of lessons. 
um, which they're not doing to save money because probably the lessons will end up, you know, costing not unlike the cost of the makeup artist, but they're doing it more for their own comfort. And if that's yeah. the reason you're doing it, I think that's a great idea to to do lessons and then you'll have a life skill that you can take with you for years and decades. Exactly. Um, the other tip there is to just leave plenty of time on the day so you're not flustered. How early should I start looking for the dress? Um, generally, we would say six to nine months, but a year is fine too. Yeah, um, it depends heavily on the kind of dress that you're after. Um, so I would direct people to our podcast episode all about wedding dress shopping, where we kind of break that down and say, like, look, if you were always definitely, definitely going to get a vintage or a high street dress, you don't have the same timeline as someone who is looking at a designer dress from a boutique, etc. Um, but what Claire said there is a good guideline. Uh, the next question is, help, I added a slit to my dress and now I'm afraid it's too trendy. I don't believe in too trendy. No, I don't. Now, if you if the person had written, now I don't like it, I'd be like, okay, well, that's that's definitely a problem. Um, and you might need to uh, seek out an alterations person who can help you find a solution for it. But uh, if you're just worried that it's a bit too sultry or um, it's too on trend, I would say just just try and forget about that. It's if, if you love the dress, you love the dress and, you know, rock it. It's going to oh, be great. Yeah. And all dresses will date eventually. Like there is even like the most timeless classic styles will still date eventually. I'm sure Princess Diana didn't think her dress was like the personification of the 80s when she got married. But it was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I think don't worry too much about your dress dating. You might want it to like date within six months, but they will all date eventually. So, yeah, don't worry too much about it. The next question is, have the rules on black tie as a dress code loosened a bit? Now, I don't know what they are comparing it to because I'm sure they have loosened from like 1919 or whatever. Um, but I would say if you're going to a black tie wedding, um, you know, the people who've chosen black tie probably have a reason why they chose that dress code. So I wouldn't say... You could really take it very loosely. I mean, you kind of want to pay attention to the basic rules, which again, we have a post all about this. It like spells it out really clearly, which we'll link in the show notes. Um, like the basics apply where, you know, for a gentleman, you have to wear a black tie um, and a black suit or a dark suit. And for a female, you're going to be looking at a long dress are the main rules but I've explained it more thoroughly in the feature um and I think you know if you're going to a wedding and there's a dress code that has rules attached just follow those rules because that's yeah. what they're there for exactly. I think generally things have informalized in society over time um, and dress codes are the same as in you're not going to get kicked out of a wedding for not coming in the right dress code but it's courtesy to follow dress code if you begin one definitely um, the next question, I am dressing three very different bridesmaids. Ideally, I want all the same length of dress, but mainly want them to be happy. Yeah, in this case, I would just involve them as much as possible in the decision making. And maybe as we've uh, discussed before, do like a little WhatsApp group to trade ideas. Um, I did work on a wedding the other day where um, the bride just kind of gave them a brief, which was I want you all to wear a jumpsuit but I don't care what color or what style it is 
and you guys kind of pick, pick what you're happy with and then she got the matching I think earrings and heels so there's like ways to you can have obviously varying degrees of involvement um, but I think the conversation has to be a collaboration between you and the bridesmaids in in this scenario yeah definitely and um, the next question is similar it's tips for mix and match bridesmaids dresses um so all that you've said there applies um i think it's worth looking at um bridesmaids dress collections that already have mix and match built in because then it's way easier to style um three or four or eight bridesmaids um and then that way they have kind of colors and styles that already go together um I think it's worth thinking about having one unifying element, whether that's the texture, the color, the necklines. Um, but we had a feature on the site this week, which we can add the link to, which is just giving all different ideas for mix and match dresses. Um, so yeah, take a look at that for inspiration and that should help you and your bridesmaids decide. Yes, and if you have one bridesmaid who's particularly good at styling or visuals, it might be an idea to kind of assign her as a coordinator. And if you think she's the kind of person who will be sound to everyone and give every make sure everyone's comfortable, um, it might be an idea to to get her involved and say, "Oh, would you help me kind of style across the outfits?" Yeah. Um, the next question we got the last time we did a Q&A episode, but we get a lot. So I think it was worth revisiting. Um, when having a two day wedding, how many nights accommodation should you pay for the bridal party? You're not obliged to pay for any accommodation for the bridal party. Um, so I wouldn't worry too much about that. But if you have decided to pay, um, I think the night of the wedding is always like the better night to kind of cover because then the other two nights either side are optional. Um, but yeah, it's kind of comes down to how much you can afford. Yeah, um, unless you have picked a venue that's particularly hard to exit, <laughs> that's really, really remote, maybe it's worth giving a bit more thought to it. But other than that, in most cases, uh, your bridal party will and should feel like it's okay for them to leave on the, you know, at 9pm on day two if they want or stay on if they want. The, the balls in their court so I think that's uh, that's a completely fine way to leave it and um, the next one is do we have to get our mothers some kind of gift or is it just extra and um, you're definitely not obliged to get anyone any gifts Um, it's a nice time to kind of thank people generally so that's why the gifts are customary Um, but yeah it's kind of up to you Um, if your mother has done a lot in the lead up to the wedding it's nice to thank her in some way yeah, I'm a big fan of writing a card or a letter to your mom or whoever has really helped you with the wedding, uh, which is a lovely keepsake. And I'm sure that they will appreciate that just as much as a gift or equally like a nice big gushy shout out in the speeches. Um, those can have performed the same function as a gift, I think. Yeah, uh, one thing we see a lot is the flowers for the mums. Um during the speeches and they often just get kind of wrecked <laughs> because the you know it's the middle of a party and they get left behind and or else like your mum's in a hotel for a couple of days and there's nowhere to keep them so I think if you're doing something like that uh, it'd be nicer to send a bouquet the week before the week after the wedding um, or you can arrange to do something nice with your mum after the wedding or something like that rather than um, a token gift that has been kind of a, a rush or an afterthought yes agreed uh, the next question is my fiance wants five groomsmen but i want three bridesmaids i'm worried this will look uneven on the day 
I have to say, I honestly do not care about uneven bridal parties. Like I am, again, looking at bridal parties all day long and it's never once kind of stood out to me. Oh my no. God, they had more groomsmen than bridesmaids. If Unless you really, really deeply want a photo where you're all in a line and it's important to you specifically that in that photo, the numbers match and yeah. it looks balanced, then maybe that's that's a big deal for you. But uh, less and less couples even go for those kind of portraits these days anyway. Um, so I think absolutely don't worry about uneven wedding parties. Um, they don't have as big of an impact on the day as you think. No, I think the only moments where you might notice it are at photos, which, as you said, photographer will be creative with the composition, so it won't matter. Um, when you walk down the aisle, maybe after the ceremony or before the ceremony. But again, like it's only in very formal situations where everybody pairs up. Generally, everyone just piles down after the couple anyway, so that doesn't matter. Um, and then sometimes there'll be a dance, like after the first dance, maybe the bridesmaids and groomsmen come in but they can just come in with someone else they don't need to come in as couples so again like it's just about just slightly tweaking the more formal elements and um, but you definitely need to match them up so the next question is what is the custom around buying bridesmaids dresses or not so this varies a lot from region to region so in ireland the custom is generally you pay for them in the US, the custom is generally the bridesmaids pay for their own dresses. And in the UK, it's uh, a bit of a mix, but tends to be more that the couple pay for the bridesmaids dresses. Um, but again, you have to kind of look at your own social circle um, and look at your bridesmaids specifically. Um, and it's always worth kind of bending the rules or the etiquette if you think um, one way or the other would suit better. Yeah, definitely. And as you mentioned earlier on, like obviously things are all very up in the air at the moment for people. So it's worth being a bit more thoughtful now um, over the next few months, I think. Definitely. So next question is unusual ideas for day two. I mean, unusual. I don't know if you should be looking for unusual ideas for a wedding <laughs> because you probably want to be looking for foolproof, can't go wrong, guaranteed fun for everyone ideas. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think crowd pleasing is the way to go with this one. Uh, you wrote a whole feature that we have on the site. A lot of this is we've already prepared something earlier, um, yeah, yeah. but we have. So there is a whole feature on this that Selena wrote last year. Uh, which has lots of ideas but generally I think uh, things like barbecues games days um buffet like casual dining things like that uh, tend to go down really well yeah and I think if you're looking for a way to make them unique pick a crowd-pleasing activity and then put unique touches on it or bring a unique spin on it rather than being like wouldn't it be great if we all went skydiving <laughs> um you know like that's just really not going to suit most people um as much as it would be really unusual so maybe think of doing something that's um yeah a bit of a crowd pleaser but um try and come up with you know something fun like a fun game to play or something that's unique to the couple uh, if you're really into board games like bring that element in for example just to make it a bit more personal yeah um one of the best ones we were at uh, selena had a starring role um in a like a mystery 
um, that the guests were led around the country house, um, which was really fun and really different. Um, but I think, again, it's worth just thinking about your guests and not micromanaging the whole day. Like, I think it's good to plan something for a few hours of it. But bear in mind, people are tired, possibly hungover. Um, so too much organized fun can be a lot. Um, so it's worth having it kind of quite loose and casual on the day. Yeah, but this is a good place to um, call into action any people who are either friends or in the wedding party who have a particular skill at hosting or creating uh, some kind of fun entertainment and see if they A, have an idea or B, are interested in helping you put something together. Yeah, good tip. Um, and our last question is, how do I get my wedding featured on One Fab Day, which we actually get quite a lot. Um, so there are submission guidelines on, on the site. Uh, we only take submissions directly from photographers rather than from couples and um, because there's a whole lot of like copyrights and things like that. So um, we tend to work directly with photographers. So if you'd like your wedding featured, get your photographer to get in touch. Absolutely. Um, I think we have done an incredible and arguably <laughs> very long and drawn out job of answering as many this questions might be as about four hours long <laughs> it might be about four hours long like really we could never have predicted the amount of questions we were going to get for this episode as yeah. we couldn't have predicted anything about the record of this episode yeah uh, but I think we've done a good job and as we've hopefully gotten across there is so much content on the website um that answers practically every question to do with a wedding that you could possibly have um so. so don't be uh too upset that we are going on hiatus for a little while because uh the answer to your question is probably somewhere on onefabday.com yeah i think a good tip in general is to put in your question and then one fab day and hit it on google and you'll probably find the answer hi ross hi ross take the emily take the rachel take the rachel step away from the spreadsheets this is a section of the show where we ask you to cool your jets, step away from the spreadsheets and do something entirely unrelated to wedding planning. Selena, you've chosen our recommendation for our listeners this week. Tell us all about it. So uh, my recommendation this week is to subscribe to a magazine style newsletter. And this was uh, specifically inspired by one here in Ireland um, called Rogue, which uh, has been set up really as a space for um predominantly female uh, Irish writers um, and me and I think you signed up as well Claire um, when have, it first yeah. came out yeah and uh, a lot of the writers on there were writers I already loved reading their work so it was a no-brainer for me I think it's four euro a month which is very achievable um, I think this is a great one because I can already say that I have put so much more effort into reading it because I'm paying for it. And four euro is like not a lot to pay for something. So it's very irrational, but I feel like I have to um, consume it because I have paid my hard earned money for it. So it's really been a great way of getting me um, to uh, squish an extra bit of reading into my week. Yeah. And I like it comes on a Sunday, so it's kind of replaced like reading the Sunday papers for me, which I really like. Yeah, and there's there's loads of these, obviously, for all different kinds of um, whatever your interest is. Like I've um, been subscribing to the long reads and the pocket digests of long read articles for years. And they just send you a digest once a week of like 
articles we pull from around the country or around the world that are um, gaining traction and have a lot of hype and are worth sharing. Um, and I've always loved uh, using those. And that's like a free service that you can do. I think, Claire, you are also signed up to Charlotte Jacklin's newsletter. That's one I like as well. Um, yeah. And another one I really like is Laura Jackson's host newsletter. So that's a lot of like food and interiors and stuff like that. Some travel as well. Um, but I think like any of these kind of, whether they're paid or free newsletters are just a really good way of avoiding browsing a load of rubbish <laughs> which we're all prone to doing and it means that you've always got a little arsenal of like good content that you know you'll enjoy um there when you're tempted to just like mindlessly read celebrity gossip or whatever yeah and I think at this the weirdest time of our whole lives um it's cool <laughs> yes. for putting like a uh, structure on your week as well um, yeah. And even when things do go back to normal and you're back to work and life has returned to normal, um, it's kind of a nice thing to go like, oh, it's Friday evening. This this newsletter is coming in and you're kind of excited about it. It just, yeah. like you said, puts puts a bit of an old school reading magazine newspaper vibe back into what you're consuming, which I very much enjoy. Definitely. The One Fab Day Wedding Podcast. Alas, we've come to the end of the One Fab Day Wedding Podcast, but hopefully not forever. For those of you who've been listening to us over the last year, thank you so much for sticking with us throughout your planning. We know a lot of you might have to change your plans in the coming months, but we're 100% positive that when your day does come, it will be phenomenal and most definitely worth the wait. It will. Um, we have been so blown away by the response of our listeners over the past 12 months or so. You've sent us the loveliest emails, shared your thoughts and dilemmas with us, and some of you have even invited us to your weddings, which was beyond what we ever could have expected. <laughs> So me and Claire have to say the hugest thank you so much for listening to the show so far. Yes. And when we're no longer pregnant, we will definitely come to your weddings. <laughs> we have to say a huge thank you to the love Ian, our producer. He came to us with the idea for the podcast over 18 months ago, and it's been such a treat to work with him on it. He's a superstar editor. He removes a lot of our waffling and he makes us sound a little bit more professional than we are. And he gives great hugs. I'm welling up at the other end of this. <laughs> Yay, Ian. Yay. It's been a blast. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, oh. Okay, tr try to get try, try not to get emotional. So while we're away, don't forget you can still listen back to over 50 episodes of the One Fab Day Wedding podcast. We have covered so much ground and we think lots of the episodes are worth a re-listen as you get closer to the big day. Do please continue to recommend us to newly engaged friends and family members too so they can pick up some tips for their own wedding planning journey. And don't forget, onefabday.com isn't going anywhere. We have a massive archive of helpful features and our editorial team will still be publishing real weddings, trend guides and dress collections every single day, as well as creating content around postponing, rescheduling and downsizing your wedding in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. So make sure you have the site bookmarked for all your wedding inspiration and information you could ever possibly need. The One Fab Day Wedding Podcast.